Welcome everyone to another episode of Do We Like Murder? This is a production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Denise and Dawn. Hi. Hello. Our usual suspects. And uh, we have a very special guest with us this morning, uh, Sergeant Tim Lamkin from Wise County Sheriff's Office Crime Scene Unit. And he's going to be discussing crime scenes and forensics and everything that comes along with that. And uh, with that, I will just let you all take it away. Let's. Uh, all right. Okay, yeah, so. Get started. So just, I, I don't know how much Denise has told you about our podcast, but the, it's called Do We Like Murder? And so we read true crimes, and then we talk, talk about them. So for the past year, mm-hmm. we've been reading about true crimes. I like the ones from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, she's very much an <laughs> 80s crime person. <laughs> um, and Denise likes more current stuff, yeah. but you know. Occasionally, the, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I heard about this crazy thing that happened in the 80s. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, well, then hopefully I can help you, because I actually started in law enforcement in 1982. Oh, wow. So right. I've been doing this just for a moment. Oh, <laughs> that's great. So you can kind of tell us how things have changed since the oh, 80s. dramatic changes yes. in, in, in science and forensics and the way we collect and preserve evidence. So many changes from 1982 to now. Wow. I got chills. I'm so excited. <laughs> so you can talk about the whole process, like yeah. how, how it was and how it is now. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So, what do we want to? What do we want to start with? Hmm. I mean, we read some some very interesting books, and I think most of the books that we've read have come to a conclusion where somebody has been convicted. Um, I. So you said 1982. Have you always been in Texas? Uh, most of it was in Texas, and. 1999, 2000, 2001, and 2002, I was actually with the U.S. State Department, International Police Task Force, where I was the commander of the National Identification Unit, National Crime Scene Unit, National Missing Persons Unit, and the National Vulnerable Persons Unit all at the same time. Wow, wow. About 400 miles above Australia in the Indonesian islands, and a little country called East Timor when they had voted for their their liberation from Indonesia. Cool. Hmm. That's impressive. Kind of a yeah. shocker there, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Wow. <laughs> well, had, go ahead. I had uh, about 125 to 150 international police officers that worked for me at any given time in the, in the period that I was over there. And now that this segment's called murder, I worked, as far as a crime scene investigator, a, a little over 100 murders in the time period that I was wow. there. Wow. Wow. Just in that just, region? Just in that area. region, yes. Wow. Okay, so that's really what you do here in Wise County, or you just do you do all crimes? I, I do all crimes. Uh, mm-hmm. The sheriff is absolutely wonderful. When I came here uh, almost seven years ago, they didn't have hardly any crime scene equipment. Mm-hmm. When I came and I seen my background, they've given me the cameras, they've given me the lights, the alternative lights, the forensic equipment that I need to actually process a crime scene completely from beginning to end, mm-hmm. and to process some of the forensics in our facility. Uh, of course, the DNA would be shipped off, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of case it was. Okay. So, if we ever get to a point where you can't answer this question or whatever, just... <laughs> I feel like you that's know. confidential. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
or maybe it's not appropriate, whatever. <laughs> um, so talking about the 80s till now, I mean, I don't want to say how easy is it, but how do people get away with crimes? I mean, is it less now that people can get away with things versus before? It's harder now to get away with a crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk to the the normal burglar, per se, uh, he might burglarize 100 houses before actually getting caught. Mm-hmm. So he thinks the odds are with him. Mm-hmm. Well, as in our day and age now, it, odds aren't with him because we have DNA, we have fingerprints, mm-hmm. and we have more, better technology now than in 1982. Yeah. Uh, you got to look at 1982, you were using a Polaroid camera or a 35 millimeter camera, mm-hmm. whereas today is everything's digital. Yeah. And with the digital, we can enhance them and look bigger and better back into the background yeah. of things. So just the cameras themselves are better. Uh, now they've come out with a 3D scanner camera where I could set it up in this room and it actually get me a 3D image of the entire room where I can do a walkthrough. Wow. So that's a lot of technology. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, because you can keep going back and looking at that as many times as you need to. Mm-hmm. I was very amazed by the scanners that if you set it up, I could actually read the labels on all them books that were over there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> very <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. I, Criminals, beware. Right? Beware. Exactly. I, uh, I had another question, but I was being a good listener. <laughs> and I was really paying attention to what you were saying, and I forgot my question. So well, I'll try not to talk. <laughs> no, that was perfect. <laughs> so, do you have anything? Well, so whenever a crime has been committed and you're called onto the scene, like what's the what's the procedure there? Do you make everybody like leave? Do you you just get to come in and work? On your own, or... First of all, I need to know what kind of crime it is. Mm-hmm. And we have a responding deputy that gets out there, so he's got that initial information going on. So by the time the crime scene unit gets there and our investigators get there, hopefully they can relay that information to us. So I'd basically ask him, could you give me a walkthrough? Tell me mm-hmm. what happened. And if, per se, like it's a murder, and we had one not too long ago up down south, mm-hmm. in which she was recently convicted this this year, uh, they give a walkthrough, and then you want everybody out of your crime scene so you can photograph it in the way that it is when you get there. Mm-hmm. If you have good deputies like the Wise County Sheriff's Office, they took initial photos when they got there in oh. case something got moved mm-hmm. nice. from my camera point of view to their camera point of view. I can look back at it. I, I think have, that's huge to have a really good team mm-hmm. that does that kind of stuff. It is. For you. All of our deputies have cameras, and it's very, very important that they get out there when they photograph how it is right then and there because people mm-hmm. walk in and out whether it be ems walking in and out mm-hmm. dps that walked in and out or our own deputies that walked in and out or family members that are panicky mm-hmm. they move pertinent evidence so those initial photos are very very important to us as far as how far something was from a particular location whether it be a gun a bullet or the body itself mm-hmm. then we take our photos after we take our photos we take video so we've got two different forms of identification as far as still photos and video once Mm -hmm. we're done with the video we're going to assess the situation as far as whether it was a blood spatter Mm -hmm. bullet wound stab wound and we'll proceed from there as far as working the murder itself but it's pertinent try not to move anything and i know that happens because ems wants to walk in they want to check on the body Mm -hmm. 
We understand that. But then they have to leave as soon as they possibly can so we can get in and start doing our job. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. So that actually brings up, this is the question that I had a second ago, about like the blood splatter um, technology and like arson investigators and those kinds of things. We had talked about some of those things are not, were not effective or they weren't. Can a lot of the science has been discredited yeah like with arson investigation a lot of the burn patterns that people used to be like this burn pattern means that this was a set fire and not just like an electrical fire or a naturally caused fire and i think is that what you're yeah like how how has that changed or and how accurate are they? Do you still use those? I, I personally things? don't get involved in that. That's up to the fire marshal. They go to that type of training. So I probably couldn't even comment on how what effective it is or it yeah. is not. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about those experts, are they like Fort Worth uh, area? or? There's, tell you the truth, in the state of Texas, there's probably only about five or six that have the status of expert. Okay. That can help you out as far as reading that blood spatter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those people are hard to get, and most of them are retired officers mm -hmm. that are going through it. And if you want them to come in, you're going to end up paying them to come testify. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how does that affect the um, the trial outcome and all that when you have to pay an expert? That it's, is up to the district attorney's office to do okay. that. They have a fund that pays for those people to come in. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the defense is going to try to discredit that. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's hard to do when you only have a certain amount of experts out there. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that um, that the blood splatter or spatter, is it with the L or without the no L? No L. No L. Okay. Um, it, I think it really can tell a story especially when they try to clean it and then you come in with black lights or whatever and you can still see evidence okay can i tell you something really stupid i think about this all the time i think sometimes you get a wound and you go to wash it in the sink or you're like you're brushing your teeth and there can be some blood and you you spit it out i'm like man my blood's all over here so you're just leaving dna all over I the place right <laughs> So, I mean, I think about that when you go into thinking about a crime, how you can distinguish between one, because people leave that stuff. Believe it or not, <laughs> if you have a good enough investigator, mm -hmm. you can't walk on a crime scene without leaving something. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't care if you put gloves on, you got a wig on, you got something, you're going to leave something. Just that investigator has to find that something. Mm -hmm. It's okay. like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. I think that's a challenge to me. It's mm -hmm. like putting a crossword puzzle together. Yes. Okay. Or just a puzzle that you're sitting down, like my wife likes to sit down for hours on end that drives me nuts and put a thousand piece puzzle together. <laughs> right. I'd rather come to work and put that thousand piece puzzle together. <laughs> yes. Everybody going to that scene has a piece of the puzzle. The Starting patrolman has a piece of the puzzle. The dispatcher has a piece of the puzzle. The crime scene investigator, the investigator, the, the DA, everybody's got a piece of that puzzle you have to put together to actually make a case. Wow. And yeah. to me, that's intriguing. That's why I do crime scene work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done everything else with the exception of working with dogs and horses and helicopters and motorcycles. Anything else in law enforcement I did, uh -huh. I like crime scene. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So do you ever watch TV uh, like a, a crime that's happened in another state and think 
man, what are you guys doing? Why'd you do that? I do. Do, you, do you ever watch the, the true crime shows on TV and you're just like, what? Oh, yeah, the true crime shows. Because a lot of those you're looking at are from the 80s and 90s. Uh-huh. Yes. You're going to say, I would have never done that. <laughs> so they're kind of funny. My wife doesn't like me to watch them with her. Oh, yeah. It's I too kinda, close to home. Probably. I kind of give it away as far as what's going on. Oh. <laughs> she didn't do it. That guy over there did it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's no fun. I know. She doesn't want to watch them with me. She goes, yeah. she goes away. Okay. Let her, she'll tell me, shut up. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to put this on mute and you need to explain to me why. Because that's why I'm watching this show. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny, especially when you're watching TV shows. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They solve that whole crime in 40 minutes. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. One hour show minus the... Commercials. Commercials, you got 40 minutes. They solved it all. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. They're quick. Like CSI well, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. CSI, well, they CSI certainly CSI don't bring it to the TV until they it has been solved and they can come back and tell you all about it. Well, I like it because the criminal watches those and they think, hey, I'm going to get caught in 45 minutes. <laughs> right? Like, oh, man, these people are good. <laughs> That's how they did that. <laughs> how am I going to do anything? <laughs> I have solved them that fast. Um about three years ago, I think, in Bridgeport, Bridgeport Police Department called us out. They had a break-in. Myself and my partner went out there. Mm-hmm. We got lucky. We got lifted some awesome fingerprints. Uh-huh. And we came back to the sheriff's office. Within about 10 minutes, I knew who both bad guys were. Oh, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> nice. Two bad guys. Yeah. But our fingerprint database system is very, very good. We have AFIX, which is our local system. We have AFIS, which is our state system mm-hmm. and then you have IAFIS which is the federal system and I'm certified in all of those oh cool nice. so running fingerprints we like that job that's yeah. pretty good the bad guys yeah. don't like it but mm-hmm. we like yeah it. yeah mm-hmm. very cool okay so I've just got to ask about this and you may know nothing about it but uh, Ricky Lee Green mm-hmm. do you know anything about I him? do not know Ricky Lee Green who is this gentleman okay <laughs> well he lived. He lived. He in, might know me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe he lived in Boyd, and I don't remember the time frame. It was probably the eighties. I think it was the eighties, seventies, eighties. And he um, committed some major crimes in this area. Um, he murdered one lady who was hitchhiking, going to Wichita Falls, mm-hmm. and he he murdered um, some girls with his girlfriend um, in their trailer out in Boyd mm-hmm. uh, that he'd picked up at the bar. Um. A young man. The the young man, yes, that was the very first one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. When he was by himself and his his yeah, and that girlfriend, newscaster. Yes, and then the newscaster was the final one in Fort Worth, where that's the one that the, I think they ended up getting him on. Mm-hmm. So, just a local. No, no, I didn't know him. Okay. Uh, if you go back to, I worked in Waxahachie, Waxahachie Police Department quite a while. Have you ever heard of Jason Massey? That sounds familiar, yes. Little Jason Massey, at the age of 15, decided he wanted to be the the U.S. biggest mass murderer that there was. Oh, my gosh. Mm. That is a horrible goal. That was his goal. Oh, God. At the age of 16, he didn't start because he didn't have a car. He had asked this young lady out several times, and she had turned him down. When he reached the age of 17, he got a car. And he seen this young lady walking down the street with her brother, and she was 15, brother 13. So he picked them up. He stabbed them both once and shot them both once, put one in the trunk, put one in the car, and he proceeded on his way. 
Well, long story short, he came back after driving around Ellis County and Dallas County, came back, and he, he killed the young man mm-hmm. by gunshots. He killed the young lady by stabbing and gunshots. He had sex with her before she was dead, after she was dead, <sighs> and he cut her head and hands off. He had sex with her again. And if this is too graphic, you can... Oh, no. Oh, no. We've, yeah, no, we're... We, <laughs> yeah. Fine. Our listeners may not be. I don't know. Well, <laughs> we, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time on the show. If you're just barely tuning I mean, into what this is about. Thing, you know, yeah. That's what it's like. He came back the next, next day and professed his love to her and had sex with her again. Of course, you got to remember, she has no head and hands at this time. Mm-hmm. So this and has been nuts. dead yes. for some time now. Yeah. And so back in, you know, 93, 94, we didn't have the technology that we have now. Mm-hmm. So when I get called by the district attorney's office to go out there and assist them, uh, we found the 22 bullet casings. We got some hair fibers off of barbed wire fence, hair fibers off both bodies, and we had no head and hands. We didn't know what that was. And we started doing the old-fashioned thing, and that's a mm-hmm. knock on the door. And we ended up having three or four people tell us, you need to check out this Massey boy. He's always cutting heads off of dogs and cats and squirrels <gasps> and, and rabbits. Something's just not right about him. And then we had somebody come say, hey, his car was parked at a car wash that night. We're two weeks into it. What's the odds of getting anything? Right. We go, they hadn't cleaned the dumpsters out yet. <gasps> so we got hair sample and blood samples from the dumpsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Swifts was absolutely wonderful. They expedited all the DNA for us, and we ended up getting a match mm-hmm. from the scene and from the car samples that we got blood and hair. So we got a warrant out for uh, Mr. Massey's car. Mm-hmm. His car. His car. We can't get him yet because we mm-hmm. found things in his car. Okay. Or in the dumpster, and the car's related to the dumpster. Uh-huh. So now we get the car, and we got blood and hair samples from that. They matched everything else. Now we get a warrant for Mr. Massey. Mm-hmm. So long story short, we ended up making the arrest. And long about a year, year and a half later, we finally go to court. And we had always heard about these diaries that we could never find. Mm-hmm. The day he was convicted and we're waiting for punishment phase, a hunter found four diaries in an ice chest out there. And it laid out everything that young man wanted to do from the age of 15 all the way up to that murder. Oh, oh my goodness! With the exception of where the head and hands are, we never recovered them. Oh, hmm. uh, that's horrible. Wow. Okay, so that just leads to a whole other issue. Why, when when people notice he's doing that to animals, what can we do about that? I mean, as a citizen, you need to call your local law enforcement every time. Okay. Every time. There's cruelty animal mm-hmm. charges out there we can put out. Okay. That had never been done on him. It mm-hmm. was just neighbors watching it get done. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How Which I would that? immediately call the police. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. saw someone hurting an animal, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> calling the cops. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Not going to approach this crazy person, but I am definitely calling the police. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a crazy story. Isn't it, it is. That's wild. Okay. So, and this is my big thing. Where is he now? What is he in doing? In 2001. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. They, they like to know these things. <laughs> is he out among us? Or? He is not. In okay. 2001, he, he got the death penalty needle. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's out. Because, of course, he got the death penalty when he was found guilty, mm-hmm. but he got the needle in 2001. So 2001, and this happened in the early 90s, he was in his 20s. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's pretty young. That didn't take very long. 
I mean, a lot of times you feel like it takes forever for them to get the death penalty or for that to be to carried actually, out because, yeah. because of the appeals and, you know, the that appeals stuff. and going, he didn't appeal anything, but you got to remember that was the 90s. And mm-hmm. so basically he spent six years on death row mm-hmm. from 95 to 96 after getting convicted. That's a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to be the world's biggest mass murderer. He got caught after the first two. Yeah. Yeah. Not very um, good on hiding the evidence, I guess. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm just like, I'm glad that he wasn't as smart as he thought he was. Well, yes. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, for sure. (sighs) Okay, so how do you do this every day? I mean, I know that the... the, um, the mystery and, and being able to solve it is intriguing because I love that. Right. I think that's one of the main reasons that we yeah, read what we read and talk about what we talk about. Yeah. But how do you, like, you're, like, in it. How do you deal with that? This personally? is not TV. So every time you watch SWAT or, mm-hmm. or CSI, we don't have a murder every day. Mm-hmm. We're not kicking in doors every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a sporadic thing. Uh, I believe our, our murder has gone up in this county since I've been here, but mm. normally it's about twice a year. So I'm not okay. actually working a murder every day. Yeah. Uh, we work er- anything our investigators need help with. That's what we work. I don't care if it's a criminal mischief going mm-hmm. all the way up to our murder. Mm-hmm. Our crime scene is going to jump in and help them because fortunately we have some pretty dead gum good investigators in Wise County. Nice. I've worked mm-hmm. some, with some go-getters, but these guys are good. Mm-hmm. That's really good to know. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel better. Yes. <laughs> as, as you're telling me about these day-to-day things that aren't murders, like the first thing that comes to my head is the Wise County True Crime Report. Oh. <laughs> where we hear about all the little... Yes. Because they don't have anything to say. Not, it doesn't happen every day. Well, yeah. and sometimes they're just silly. You know, the guy called the police because this car passed by and someone yelled at his cow and it happened like three times and so he's just like i'm i'm fed up with that <laughs> you're like well, oh. the cow could have been making a gesture at right i was just like you don't know what that cow was know. doing <laughs> but you know it's like that kind of thing you read about in the true crime line you're like really <laughs> really guy <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Maybe. How much of that frivolous stuff do you have to deal with, like, on a day-to-day basis? Well, and I say frivolous. I mean, for these people calling in, it's it's important to them. It, every, every call is important to the sheriff's department. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what kind of call it is. We may not think it's important, but you do. You're a citizen in this county. Therefore, mm-hmm. we're going to respond to your call just like we would anything else out there. Yeah. Sometimes they, they don't want us to make contact. Your neighbors having a loud party, but don't come over here. So that way, know we they know we called. Uh-huh. We honor that, but we might talk to you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Because that's important to you. So mm-hmm. it's not what's in our head; it's in your head. We're public servants, and that's what we do on a day to day basis. Yeah. So smaller calls versus bigger calls. You said like murders. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, only two approximately a year. Um, what other kind of things do you guys deal with? Uh, burglary habitation, theft, okay. criminal mischief. Of course, you're going to have assaults all the time. And right now, we're getting to that season where oh. people are anxious. You know, the holiday season, so there's mm-hmm. assaults, there's a lot of mm-hmm. drinking, there's aggravated assaults, sexual assaults. Those things happen along with people that no longer want to be here and yeah. unfortunately just decide to 
they want to take their own life. That happens a lot in the season that we're coming up on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really sad. Got Sorry. quiet real quick. Yeah, yeah. I really did, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, see that I was listening well again. <laughs> my, my question went out, out the window. Well, this is also the season where people order things online and other people decide they're just going to come. Take it off. <laughs> Take it off. Oh, yeah, you, that's what we call porch pirates. Porch yes. Pirates. <laughs> yeah, porch pirates. So is the um, sheriff's department or anybody in the area willing to receive packages, I guess? Because like, I know that some departments or whether it was the fire department or somebody said that they could have their packages delivered there so there would be somebody to receive them. And you told me earlier, if I didn't know that answer, I wouldn't have to answer that. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. Uh, that might be something you want to look at. Uh-huh. Uh, the Sheriff Department has in the past has put in trackers and boxes and put them on front porches to see if the porch oh. pirates would come out there. Uh-huh. We've done that in the past. Uh, it happened to my neighbor across the street from me last year. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And that was all on video. And oh. He's got a good video system. Mm-hmm. I got a good video system, but didn't uh-huh. catch the license plate, so that didn't matter. But got a good picture of his face. Uh-huh. All I can say is if they're going to deliver, they should be notifying you what time it's being delivered. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. Between really is. 10 and 2. Right. Really is. Mm-hmm. But if you know you're at yeah. work, why not have them deliver it to your work? Yeah. All right, well, we'll we will ask our boss about that. (laughs) (laughs) Is this okay? (laughs) Which then you can keep it secret anyways if it's a Christmas present. Right. It's easier to hide it. it. Mm -hmm. Denise, I'm thinking about, you you haven't asked yet about uh, the bite mark analysis. Oh. Oh, yeah. See, that's one of the other ones. More junk science that that they read about in the books that they... Yeah, we read, what was it that I read? The Cadaver King and the Country Dentist. And this was all in Mississippi. I think it was Mississippi. Um, But he, the Cadaver King, he was um, a mortician that was hired to do autopsies for the county that he was in. And he claimed to do like thousands of autopsies a month, which was impossible and so it turned out he was fabricating a lot of the evidence. And he had gotten his buddy, who was a dentist, to come in and be a bite mark specialist. And then as time went on, it turned out that not only was he you know, not really qualified to do that, but that bite mark analysis wasn't really even that um, reliable. And so is that what you wanted to I don't know. I just I, I noticed that you hadn't brought it up yet, so I was like, I didn't want you to forget about it because she went on about this for a while. There, there are specialists in, in every field as far as law enforcement. DPS has a lot of specialists down in Austin, whether it's being fingerprints or DNA or bite mark specialists mm-hmm. or blood splatter specialists or gunshot residue specialists. Just our last case here. When we send something down to them to get analyzed, they'll send that expert up here to testify. And that just our last case, that's what they did on gunshot residue. Mm-hmm. I'm not qualified in gunshot residue. We send it to the specialists, and they do that, and they bring it up, and they testify. So are there good guys and specialists as far as bite marks? Yeah, not your dentist, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah, there are. They'll get dental records, and they can match them up pretty good. Same thing with shoe impressions and hand impressions that might be in mud or tire impressions that are in the mud. There's specialists out there to do that. 
and you, and you bring up the simplest thing when you're at your house and you have a roll of trash bags and you know that perforated edge when you tear it apart mm -hmm. there are specialists that will put that back together and tell you what roll it came from wow <laughs> that's amazing i'm not that guy but they are. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's if i come to your house and say it looks like they use my trash bags i'm gonna say where's your roll of trash bags and i'm gonna collect it because if i can't if i catch him and get the bag back i can send it off to get analyzed wow that's crazy that's amazing yeah that is amazing. Wow. Okay, so thinking about things that experts, hypnotism. Oh, yeah. Does it work? <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of stories on hypnotism. I'm going to give you an old one. Okay. That, uh, I was told, and I wasn't there. Back in Ellis County, Waxahachie, they had somebody that had came up missing, and they were unable to find them for months and months and months. And one of our investigators brought up that, what if I got a hypnotist? Mm-hmm. Or what if I got a psychic? That was my other. Yeah, so they brought a hypnotist yeah. in, and of course they checked with all the people that were witnesses or not witnesses. They didn't come up with anything, and they brought a psychic in from uh, California. Uh huh. Now I thought it was total crap, but the psychic says, "Well, I see a water tower, I see a tennis shoe, and I see a, a ditch on the side of the road, and there's a bridge real close by." Mm hmm. So what happens? Everybody goes and drives around, finds all the water towers and all that. <laughs> Finally found a bridge, and there's dirt over the side. There's a water tower, and there's a tennis shoe sticking up out of the dirt. When I unburied it, there was a body under it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then so you how say, good are they? I don't know. And then you say, oh. so, ma'am, where were you <laughs> all yeah. this time? The DNA uh, testing was backed up in certain states for months like eight months so you couldn't even get the results of like a dna test uh for that long is there that kind of a backup here in texas you only gave me eight months on that you're doing good oh <laughs> really okay uh dna if i were to send it to uh, dps down in austin mm -hmm. about a year and a half out oh wow. maybe i'll get it in a year and a half to two years wow if i send it to dallas swifts uh-huh uh, maybe I'll get something back in six months. Uh, Tarrant County, maybe six months. If we use TCU, maybe I can get it in 90 days. They only take certain crimes there, and they'll only take a certain amount of DNA. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is backlogged a lot. Yeah. I think the state of Texas is going to be more backed up now. Uh, when somebody goes to the penitentiary and they have aggravated on them, mm -hmm. aggravated charge, they take a, a buccal swab, a DNA swab from the prisoner. Mm -hmm. okay. well, as of September 1st of this year, they're doing those buccal swabs at the county jails now. So oh. you have 254 county jails that are now taking buccal swabs on major crimes. And I would say major crimes is aggravated crimes mm -hmm. or felony theft and felony burglary. Once that DNA is collected, it's going to go back to the state of Texas. Now, how many do they have to do? Mm -hmm. A lot more. Yeah. So yeah. now they're going to get backed up more. Mm -hmm. As as we go on two, three, four years from now, that's going to be extremely beneficial, though, mm -hmm. because now those people DNA that didn't get penitentiary time that only got probation, yeah. their DNA is in the system. So yeah. as an investigator, when I go on the scene. It's going to help collecting that DNA and getting a hit much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So we're going to be backlogged for quite a while, and I think it'll eventually catch up, and it's going to mm-hmm. be beneficial toward law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So is that a good um, field to go into? Yeah, it'd be probably a really good field to go into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a sciencey person, so that not, would not be me. But just saying, yeah. So a couple of the cities and, and the Metroplex, Fort Worth, they're doing their own DNA now, Fort Worth Police Department, oh. uh, and Plano. Plano just picked it up about a year and a half ago. They're doing their own DNA. But that's sort of very expensive to get started. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine yeah. all the equipment that would be needed for mm-hmm. that. And specialized people. Yeah, the like, level of training involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Co- DNA is very costly. Mm-hmm. If I sent something to Swift's to get done, it's about $500 a sample. Wow. If I took one off this desk and then I took one from your mouth, that's two samples. Mm-hmm. $1,000. Oh. Mm-hmm. It can get very expensive. Oh, yeah. especially when you're trying to match different things. Right. DNA actually only solves 1% to 2% of crimes in the United States. Oh, wow. 2%. So there's a change for you. you didn't yeah. Know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's growing uh-huh. because the cost is coming down. The more cost effective it's going to be, and with what Texas is doing right now as far as pulling DNA upon your arrest, mm-hmm. more people are going to get caught and more crimes are going to get solved with DNA. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, especially if you have a good database. Yeah. Just run that next to you. So who was it that got caught because they uh, were doing the Ancestry.com and had submitted their DNA? Was that the Golden State Killer? He, um, one of his family members did the genealogy thing. Uh And then they used that basically to build a family tree and, and, and catch him. So there's like forensic genealogists now too. Hmm. Amazing. Crazy. DNA doesn't change. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do the 23andMe. Like, someone else that was related to him did. And mm-hmm. There was enough of the similarities in that DNA to that. So, they're like, they're related. Mm-hmm. So, then they just built a family tree. Okay, so, this is by no means the last question. But it might sound like the last question. <laughs> How do you become uh, like a crime scene investigator or a detective or something like that? You can't. You have to go through and be a police officer for a certain number of years, or can you just kind of go to school and and start doing this or what? That's another thing that's changing, and and California was the first one that changed it. So if you get somebody that goes and gets their criminal justice degree and mm-hmm. starts taking criminal uh, justice classes. They started as early as high school now taking those classes Mm -hmm. and then start taking some crime scene classes going on. California started doing uh, civilian crime scene investigators rather than certified. Uh, It's less expensive that way as far as you're going to pay them a lot less money. Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced you get all the quality doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've come up through the ranks working as a deputy on the street and just taking all my education classes for all of my certificates. Mm -hmm. Tarrant County Sheriff's Office just went civilian because they're having a hard time getting officers to come in and do it. If it's not something you like, you don't need to do it. Yeah. Flip burgers if that makes you happy, but if mm-hmm. make, doing crime scenes makes you happy, you're going to do a lot better job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that the civilians are not going to do a good job. Mm-hmm. It's very possible they will. I do internships. I'm on my fifth 
college student right now. And hmm. Some of them are very interested in what I do, and I think they'd probably be good investigators. Yeah. But they need to give a little bit of school to hard knocks also. Mm-hmm. Yes. They need to get out there and really study crimes, whether it's coming in here and reading books, crime novels, mm-hmm. and figuring out how they did it. Because my wife, I think she watches the ID channel all the time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> just tell her, I said, you know all of them got caught, right? Because I don't know what she's planning for me. I just <laughs> they all got caught. They wouldn't be on TV. Right. She kind of laughs about it, but we've been right. for 30 years. So. That's great. <laughs> Well, I was just kind of asking for Denise and I. Yeah. <laughs> how can we give... After reading all these books and watching all those shows, I'm like, oh, I could totally do this. I'd probably be rubbish at it. But <laughs> but you get to that point where you're like, I've seen so much and I've read so much. I think I could do it. And you're like, why did they do that? They should have done this. <laughs> Anytime you want to come to the Wise County Sheriff's Office, I'll take you out to our lab. Mm-hmm. We, myself and my partner, we have our own building. We have our own lab. We do all of our own stuff in there. So anytime you want to come down there, come on down, and I'll give you a little tour. Maybe develop a few things down there that you didn't think could happen. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so career well, change, right? <laughs> uh, I was kind of uh, hesitant on doing that because I know that my DNA would be. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to give anything. She doesn't want to get pinned for any crimes that she didn't do. That's what you said, right? You're like, well, what if I accidentally get my DNA in something? Don't get my fingerprints on something. We won't do anything with DNA. Okay, good. <laughs> I doubt he's going to let us touch evidence, Don. <laughs> I know, but he said everybody leaves some kind of evidence, so. You just got to find that needle in the haystack. Oh, right, right. <laughs> okay, so what else? An- another thing that I remember you looked into, Denise, when you um, that you thought that you also thought you could do this. What is it? <laughs> linguistic forensic. Oh, yeah. Is that what? Yes. Where you analyze? I was watching forensic files from like forever ago, and um, this woman had gotten murdered, and. And this is how long ago it was. Someone was like mailing her letters, like threatening letters. And <laughs> and so they got a forensic linguistic person to like read those letters and read other writings from the person they suspected. And he found like different patterns in the speech that he was like, this person is definitely the same person. The thing that I thought was hilarious about that was the forensic linguistic guy was one of the lead singers from Sha Na Na. Oh. <laughs> like he, he stopped being in Sha Na Na and was like, ah. Probably a handwriting expert also. Right? <laughs> I was just like, first of all, that's okay. That's what you want to go do. Awesome. Also, then I was like, so you basically get to read things for a living and then figure out the patterns. <laughs> I was like, I already do that. <laughs> so, Every book you read. Exactly. Yeah. The subtext. And I'm just like, this is just a forensic literature degree, really. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. Mm-hmm. I'd be very specialized. I don't know. I think I would be very good at solving crime putting the puzzle together yes i think i would i enjoy doing that kind of stuff it is a lot of fun i'll have to tell you that yeah i'm not sure how i would do seeing things 
because you know we are so we're distanced from it Mm -hmm. you know you can read about it in books or you can hear about it but to actually think that you're standing there and observing something that had happened you have to think of everything as evidence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it be a a body a human or not Uh, i feel for the person but i also have to collect the evidence Mm -hmm. so in your head you have to get it in everything i touch photograph and see as possible evidence and treat it that way Mm -hmm. you can go home later and talk about it but at that yeah. particular time, you have to be professional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do the job. Yeah. I guess one of the things that I've always thought was kind of fascinating, like when you read, you know, detective stories or thrillers or whatever, you know, fiction, and and I, I mean, I guess this gets brought up sort of in in your, the true crime and and things like that, real world stuff. But uh, of course, you know, you have your procedures, and there's the science and everything. And uh, to you know, make sure you're you're looking at everything and collecting all the evidence you need. Um, how much about being in this sort of field takes a certain level of like just intuition, like drawing connections that maybe somebody else might not notice. That just is kind of like just a natural talent. Is that kind of more of a bunch of hooey, or or is there a certain reality to that? No, you you want to have more than one eye on it. Uh, when I was overseas, I worked with a, a gentleman by the name of Tankard Evans, who was number one CIA crime scene guy in Washington, D.C. Mm. Really good guy. We'd go on a scene, and he, he'd look at me after we're looking at it. He goes, well, Timmy, what do you think happened here? So I would tell him what I thought happened. And he goes, mm-hmm. yeah, that could have. But what if this happened? And he'd tell me what he thought. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that could have happened, too. He goes, well, let's work it both ways. Ah. So you work the crime scene two ways. And mm-hmm. If you have a third person that thinks they've seen something different, well, let's work it three ways. Uh-huh. So the more eyes you get on it, the mm-hmm. better you off you are. The more photographs you get, the better off you are. So if the 3D scanners or your digital cameras, we look at those pictures as we're going on. Mm-hmm. And we have a checklist and say, did we do this? Did we do this? Did we do this? And we check it off as we go. And if we miss something, we'll go back and start over. There is no time limit on a crime scene. Mm-hmm. I'm there as long as I have to be. So if it's one day or one week, that's where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they had the bombings in uh, Boston, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. those crime scene people were there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Wow. One set of them, FBI people, the whole crime scene unit, about 11, 12 of them on top of a building for two weeks because they moved over every little stone that was up there. Mm-hmm. And went inch by inch. And if that's what you have to do, that's what you do. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's definitely more procedure than, than anything. Oh, definitely. And, and and talking with each other and making sure yeah. that you did your job, I did my job. And if I, we have to cross each other and me do part of yours and you do part of mine, we work as a team and make sure all of it gets done and correctly picked up. So that when you get in front of a microphone like this <laughs> and the judge is to your left and you have the jury and everybody asking you a question, you're not nervous because you're just telling a story like we are right now. Yeah. I was there, I'm telling you what I did. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's not, uh, there, there's not, you know, it's it's not just one person doing it themselves. There's no like lone wolf detective or anything. There's there's a whole, always like whole groups of people involved. And you said the more people you get involved in, the more clearly you can create that picture. Right. The more people we have, if it's a, let's say a homicide, 
we have a homicide. I'm not the only one there. We have two full-time crime scene and two part-time crime scene. Uh, guaranteed three of us are going to be there. You're probably going to have two or three or four or five or six investigators there. You're going to have the captain there, the lieutenant there, the chief there, the sheriff there, and we're all going to get into it. We're going to figure out what everybody's got to do. Because if I'm working this scene, everybody else could be grouping together to go find suspect A or suspect mm-hmm. B or suspect C. It's like 48 hours. You've seen that on TV? Mm-hmm. We really like to get somebody in jail before 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, people start to clam up. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't clam up initially. You would, within 48 hours, then you decide. No, you, you might be a little in some shock or, you know. Yeah, that could be, yeah. Once you actually have time to think about whether or not you want to say something or be involved. Mm-hmm. All right, so a couple questions that kind of relate to each other, but I want to ask them both, and then you can can address them. So first, I'm kind of curious, like all the TV shows and some of the books we read are like, no, we don't want to call in the FBI. We don't want to work with them. And there's like this, you know, button heads kind of thing of of not wanting to work with the other agency. But then one of the crimes that, that Denise read about... They called in the Boy Scouts. Oh yeah, to help solve the crime. I don't. I don't think I'm going to call the Boy Scouts. Okay. <laughs> they called the Boy Scouts to try to find a missing person. They did. Anyway, I guess if you want them traveling through the, the woods, and hopefully you don't lose a Boy Scout because now you got two people. Uh, I, I would have no qualms if, God forbid, if we had some something horrific happen here. Mm-hmm. I would have no quorums, and I do have a phone number that I can call somebody in the FBI because when they come, they're coming with 11 to 12 people mm-hmm. to work a crime scene. Mm-hmm. So if I had something major hit here, mm-hmm. personally, I don't have a problem with calling them and telling them, hey, come, come work my scene. Mm-hmm. And our old chief, not the chief we have now, but Chief Benton was here. I said, you know what would be the only thing that would keep you from calling the FBI to help us on a major crime scene? He said, what? I said, pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to get over your pride. If mm-hmm. they have better equipment and more personnel, I'll take the help anytime I can. Yeah. yeah. If it, if it's just one person that has been killed, I you know I can probably handle that. But if we had a mass shooting, I would have no quorums and say, "Hey, let's call some help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get some professionals down here that know what they're doing. That's going to process that DNA a lot faster than what I can get done." Oh, that's interesting too. So if they can get evidence processed through. <laughs> you know, Swifts or through DNA a lot faster than I can, I would say mm-hmm. bring them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. All right. So you're going to use your resources. Absolutely. We yeah. resource all over. I have crime scene investigators all over Texas that I know. From every school that I've ever been to, we swap cards. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I come across something I'm not sure of, I have no problem calling and say, hey, what would you do on this? Uh-huh. And that person goes and asks two more people, and they ask two, and they ask two. And within about six to ten hours, I get a phone call because they've talked to everybody in the state. Uh-huh. And they get back to me and they say, hey, do it this way and this way. I said, that's what I thought. I said, but I just wanted some advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And a little bit of networking. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. That's neat. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. All right. So I know that after you leave, I'm going to have so many more questions. <laughs> you got my phone number. We try very hard not to talk about local stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's too close to home and um, 
you know, with families and that kind of stuff, we don't yeah, want That's why I avoided my stats on how I catch people. I don't want yeah. to get my oh, trade secrets. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of that, too. Yeah. Don't want, to, don't want everybody to know. So what about um, the, what is that, the civilian crime watch? Is there like crime one? Stoppers, it, yes. Crime watch. Is there something like that indicator? Uh, I believe I, that our captain was talking about that the other day that they were going to have another class for uh, another little academy class for civilians, but I don't mm. know where it was. Okay. We'll probably have to talk to Captain Wallace on that. Okay. Yeah, because there is like a citizens academy. Citizens patrol, citizens so, academy, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm just thinking about like different crime scenes and stuff. I just, I, I don't know if it's really, I mean, they're from the books and things that, that we've read and. Yeah. Oh, so that's one that we read. One without a body. What, what happens if you don't have a body? One of the books I read talked about, um, it was the, one of the first crimes that they had convicted somebody without the body. More difficult to convict that way, but not impossible. Okay. You have to have a lot of circumstantial evidence that leads up to that individual. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Fort Worth or Dallas just convicted somebody of that here in the last couple of months where they still don't have the body, but the individual was convicted. It's just harder to do so because mm -hmm. it's a lot of he said, she said. Yes. You have people pointing at each other. Which way do you go? It's That's why you have 12 people of your peers in a jury. Mm -hmm. They're going to make a decision one way or another. Yeah. Well, in that <clears throat> in that particular crime, wasn't that one of the first ones where they used the the blood spatter as yes. the primary evidence? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, because there was so much blood <clears throat> there that they determined that it was impossible for that person to have survived with that much blood loss. Mm -hmm. Right. But they didn't have a body, and I think they tried to make the argument that because of all that blood, that it was almost the same as having a body. Mm-hmm. Yes, so. that's true. Yeah. But they ended up finding the body later. Later. Much later. <laughs> In a was, place where it's like, you, you didn't look there. <laughs> right. They had buried it like right outside their window in, it was a gravel. Um, Driveway. Yeah. Well, like that. It was a flower bed or, you know, area. And they had moved the gravel and buried them under there. And they didn't, didn't look there. But they were convicted anyway. Which leads to another thing that sometimes we're like, that's all the time they got. Because 10 years, isn't that? Mm -hmm. what, they were going to convict this guy and only give him five years. That's what the jury wanted to do. And um, the, the judge said, no, you have to give them at least Yeah, the, the least is 10. <laughs> Depends on what the rules are. If it's 5 to 99 or... Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and that's happened locally here. I mean... And not locally. You mm -hmm. look at the officer in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Dallas officer that shot somebody. She got 10 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anything yeah. at 10 years and under is you can get probational. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. That she could get out on probation. But that's up to the 12 people back there. They make that decision. Yes. Yeah. That's true. And you have to, you know, have faith in the justice system and... And all that, but which brings up another point. <laughs> uh, the juries, we read about them, you know, like if, especially if they're sequestered and they're living in um, like a hotel, they develop relationships. I mean, 
not necessarily like a romantic relationship, but even a friendship that can manipulate the other person into um, voting the way the other person is. Does that happen? Or Personally, do you I've never been on a jury because nobody will take me because I'm on law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't say whether that has happened or has not happened. Mm-hmm. Can I see it happening? Possibly. Yeah. I think some people are more strong-willed than other people. Mm-hmm. So I think that can happen, not just with juries, but anywhere else. Yeah. When our investigators that are out there investigating crimes might talk to 10 people and one person is more influence over the rest. Mm-hmm. That person might change everybody else's mind, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been on a jury for a murder here locally, and mm-hmm. I, what I noticed was because we're such a small community, like I didn't know anybody in that room, but at least these two people knew each other, and this person knew this other person, and, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know if that has any influence or not. Yeah. But we didn't talk about the case obviously until we were deliberating but in a small yeah. community you're gonna know each other yes <laughs> it's like whether you're on a jury or not you're mm-hmm. gonna know each other so it's a weird dynamic mm-hmm. which is you know interesting going back to the licky licky ricky lee green <laughs> licky See, green yeah. we we have the book up here um, they're very hard to find and they're very expensive. And usually if we have the book out on the shelves, it disappears. Yes. <laughs> so um, it's called Blood Rush. But um, all right. So now what? In his case, they moved it to a different county or something like that. So yes. even though the, the uh, um, events a- occurred in Wise County, he was convicted in another county. So I guess that just, I, I bring that up because it changes the stats for Wise County, even though the murder happened here or several murders happened here, he was convicted in another county. Yeah, it could have been the attorneys that were asking for a change of venue, mm-hmm. uh, like Amber Geiger. Mm-hmm. They were trying to change that to Rockwall or Collin County because of the publicity that went on in Dallas County. And the judge finally said, well, they watched the same news as we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to see if they could sit a a jury. Mm-hmm. They did sit the jury, so that's where it was held. But that's up to the attorneys talking to the judge and asking for a change of venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one here where the young lady was killed in Fort Worth, and the body was left here. And the two DAs from Tarrant County and our county get together and say, hey, do you want to prosecute it? Our prosecutor says, yeah, we got it. So even though the murder actually happened in another county, mm-hmm. the body was in our county. Therefore, we prosecuted it over here. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. But it would be up to the DAs. They get together on that, and they decide which one wants to do it. Oh, okay. Hmm. That is interesting. So it doesn't matter like where the person was came from. So like if the... The killer was from Fort Worth or where they're from, just where the body's found since it's in this county. Not just the body, but our laws just changed also on uh, sexual assault mm-hmm. or, or family violence, stuff mm-hmm. like that. That you were sexually assaulted in Tarrant County, but you reside in Wise County. Mm-hmm. We can't prosecute it here now. Oh, oh wow. Doesn't okay. doesn't have to go to Tarrant County. So does that speed up the process? Because Tarrant County has a lot more crimes versus Wise County? Not really. Let's look at it in this aspect. How many felony courts does Wise County have? I don't know, but probably more than 
Just one? One felony judge, one uh-huh. felony court. How many days do we have in a year? 365. Now let's take away all of our vacation days and weekends. Okay. Now how many crimes are committed, felony crimes are committed in our county? I don't know. Okay, if you had just say two murders, it takes two weeks for each one. So that's mm-hmm. four weeks. Take that off the docket. Uh-huh. Now let's just say we got 300 felony crimes coming up. How many can actually go to court? Mm-hmm. Ever? We ran out of days this year, didn't we? Because next year is going to be another year. Yeah. Yes. That's why you have plea bargains. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. You okay? I'm okay. Stuff <laughs> like, again, didn't I? Uh, set so, in. Yeah, which I can completely understand the like victims' families and stuff. How frustrated they can get with this stuff, with the process, right? You know, because it can take so long. One of the um, ladies in one of the murders of, that I read about, she became a PI so that she could help solve her friend's or sister's murder or I think something her like friend. that. It was like her best friend. Yeah. Is does do you see that much? No, Magnum didn't live around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What I have in my case, what our investigators have in their case, we don't share that information with anybody. Mm -hmm. That's for us building a case. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to give that information out to the public, much less as Magnum PI. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But you would take, would you take their information? If he had reliable information, I could check on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's as not a, the forerunner a, investigator. In right. Case, as, as a civilian offering you some kind of tip and yeah. not as a colleague or. Well, we're going to take the tip any way yeah. we can. Uh-huh. We also got to make sure that tip is correct. Right. right. Yeah. And you don't want to tip your hand either. Right. And that <laughs> information gets out and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that was, the, that was the insurance one where he killed for the insurance. So. You say that like we haven't talked about like eighty of those, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the funny thing. We read these books, and it's like the same thing. It, you know, it's same motives. <laughs> or she went out late at night by herself. What? Why? <laughs> you know better than that. That's true. Yeah, but you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that we've run into a lot in the books that. That have been on this segment is, I mean, because we have you know hindsight and can see like how the investigation went and mm-hmm. what things got missed and stuff. But we're always like, it's you know in those scenarios, it's like why why didn't anybody say anything about this? Why didn't you know why didn't the law enforcement see this or you know why didn't these if somebody had just brought this up, then it would have been solved and you know these other ten people wouldn't have got killed or whatever. Monday morning quarterbacking. Because yeah. we don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. We do rely on our citizens also out there. That's right. why I have Crime Stoppers. If they can help us on on crimes, it's very beneficial. Mm-hmm. We're not the only ones that do that. We didn't mm-hmm. invent that wheel. Dallas, Denton, yeah. Fort mm-hmm. Worth, everybody puts stuff on TV all the time. Say, hey, if you recognize this guy, mm-hmm. call us. Yeah. Because they want some help. 
Mm-hmm. We do too, and it's best to our citizens out there. Just keep a watchful eye on your house, on your neighbor's house. Have mm-hmm. your neighbor look at your house, and we all take care of each other. And we solve a lot of crimes that way, believe it or not. They said, mm-hmm. I've seen Joey Blow Blow do this. Joey did this. Uh-huh. You know, that little information. Can we prove it? No. But now we can go get the young guy and come and bring him in and talk to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all help each other in our communities. And uh, the more community policing we have, the better off we're going to be. Do you think that that has changed? Like in the seventies, people I think were probably more um, into their neighbors. I mean, being friendly with their neighbors and that kind of stuff. Sometimes, okay, stop. I said that wrong. <laughs> anyway, I was like the seventies. Well, into right, so it's about to go south. <laughs> But I mean, like, a lot of people now don't know their neighbors. They don't have the friendly relationship because people move around a lot more, and I I don't know. Do you notice that? I do notice that. I mean, where I live, I know my neighbors, and my neighbors know me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Across the street, beside me on both sides, the people behind me know me. Mm -hmm. And every now and then, you know, we get together and we'll just barbecue out on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. But all the neighbors come over there because we all take care of each other. And I think if you had more of that in our society now, mm-hmm. like it was back in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, we got together and had barbecues. Yes, yeah. Uh, if, we need to calm down and start doing that. Yeah. It's it's harder in Wise County because where you live uh, way out in the country, you're close to the neighbor a mile and a half away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, exactly. But what's to say you can't stop by your neighbor a mile and a half away and take care of them? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Hmm. Well, and I think that um, you know, just some things that I've noticed, social media um, keeps that distance. I mean, yeah, you can be friendly, but you still don't see them face-to-face. You don't know exactly who they are and, and that kind of stuff. I've seen a little bit of squabbles on social media because of different things. And he said, she said. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I mean, it was, it was uh, we had somebody new move into the neighborhood, and the family next door wanted to light off fireworks because their daughter had got married and the the person who'd moved in there had PTSD. And so it really, it caused him a lot of stress when yeah. this, he didn't know what was going on. Um, and so we don't know that stuff about our, our community or our neighbors and mm-hmm. and all that until it blows up on social media and people aren't nice yeah, in that way. Yeah, that seems like a weird thing to not be nice about. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, thank you for sharing that with me. We won't set off fireworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of causing someone anxiety and trauma. Right. I don't care if your daughter got married. <laughs> <laughs> we only do fireworks because our nation had an issue. <laughs> not for the wedding. <laughs> Okay. I didn't even comment on that. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> Probably best. <laughs> so, are you interested in writing a book about your experiences or anything? I am not, but you know, I have so many stories to tell you. I'd have you laughing underneath the table and things, how things are really had done out there, and uh, especially with our international community. Oh, hmm. some crazy stuff out there. Yeah. Okay, so you might need to invite us to your barbecue. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. Uh, uh, 
overseas the State Department get called in on a, a, a triple slashing. One person dies and two doesn't. So my team and I get out there, and they're all new. They're investigators from different countries, but they've never worked crime scene. Uh -huh. So I hand one of them a 35-millimeter camera and a clipboard and say, hey, when you take a picture, write down what you took a picture of. And then take a picture and write down. Give another one a digital camera, same instructions. Another one a camcorder. And I had one helping me with the collection and preservation. So we do this four or five hours. We get done, and I don't speak the local language. It's Bahasa and Tetum, so I have an interpreter with me. Mm -hmm. So I asked the interpreter, I said, ask all these people, because there's hundreds of people watching, all these people if they've seen who cut those guys up. So he talks to the crowd, and this one guy raises his hand. So I motion for him to come over. He comes over. I said, ask him if he's seen who sliced those three guys up. So he talks to him for a little while, and he turns around and says, yes, he cut them. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I said, hold on now. Let's make sure we have our translation. Correct. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Ask him if he cut those three guys up. Uh-huh. So they talked for a little bit. He goes, yes, he cut them. I went, all right. I'm thinking, well, that was a lot of slicing. I says, ask him who helped him. Uh-huh. So he talks to him, and then that guy turns around to the crowd, and these five other guys raise their hand. They come walking over. <laughs> After I wave them, they gosh. get there. I said, ask them if they help him cut those three guys up. Mm -hmm. So they all said, yes, we cut them up. Wow. Long story short, they showed me where all the weapons were that they, that they hid because uh -huh. I asked them, where, where's the machetes? Mm -hmm. So I collected all the DNA and blood and all that from there. I got the rapid response unit to arrest those six individuals, and I go to a guy named Judge Longinus Montero, equivalent of our attorney general. I said, Judge... I said, it happened about 30 minutes before I got there. I'm there four and a half, five hours. And I said, and then I ask who did it, and I get six guys raise their hand and say, I did it. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've committed murder. Why did they do that? Uh -huh. He said, well, that was an Indonesian law. If a police officer asks you what you did, or if you committed a crime and you say yes, the police officer would beat you up and take you to prison, and you get three meals a day. Oh. I said, well, what happens if you say no? He goes, that's bad. He's now the police officer beats you up really, really, really bad and takes you to prison and puts you in a little five-by-five five room and after about two weeks pulls your body out, puts it in the road and says, here, come get your family member. Aww. So therefore they wanted to go to prison for the rest of their life and have three meals. Hmm. But that really happens over there. Yeah. You're thinking the difference in our culture to over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those people would be upset if I showed up in a scene and I arrested somebody and didn't beat them up before I put them in the car. Yeah. They were expecting it. Wow. So our culture, we have it made here, all right? Mm -hmm. Yes. We don't get beat up when we're taking the jail. Hopefully we don't get beat up mm -hmm. when we're taking right. the jail. So the different cultures will, it's, it's a culture shock. Mm -hmm. Can I yes. say that? Yeah. Culture shock from working here and working over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So were you, was there any kind of fear on your part from the fact that retaliation because you didn't do that to them when, when they were arrested or? No, uh, for the most part, just like here, there's God fearing people over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you went on Palm Sunday and they started walking the church, they would walk past you for 30 minutes with a palm. That's how many people go to church over there. Not like here where most of us go to church, but not all of us over there. Everybody goes to church. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're very honest people. Mm -hmm. They really are. And uh, so as far as fear, no, I was never in fear over there. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, actually, one time, but that'll be a story from another time. <laughs> <laughs> one time, yeah, I got kind of scared, but uh, most part, no. But I dealt with a lot of officers that had never worked crime scenes, so it was like a huge training ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time we had a murder, I picked five to six, seven different people to go with me than I did the time before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Yes, it's very fascinating. Yeah. But those guys really did it. The guys they really who confessed. Did. Yeah. They really did it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they they weren't they weren't just in it for three meals a day. No, I mean, not it wasn't one of those really kind did. of things. They really did it. And okay. I, I'll tell you the last part of the story that I didn't tell you. I don't had I didn't have a forensic lab, so I took everything to uh, the Northern Territory Forensic Lab in Darwin, Australia. So I dropped everything off. Next day I come back and one of their investigators said, Mate, what kind of crime scene is this? I said, well, it's a murder scene. He said, that's what I thought. I said, what happened? Have you seen the pictures? I said, no. So he shows me the 35-millimeter pictures. There's a picture of me working, a picture of me working. There's a picture of the mountain. There's a, <laughs> a helicopter. There's a picture of that's a nice-looking lady. There's a picture of I don't know what that is. And so it would like two pictures out of 25 or even crime scene. I said, no problem. I had a guy with a digital camera. He said, have you seen those photos? <laughs> I said, no. So I look at the digital camera, and there's a picture of me working. There's another picture of me working. Oh, look at the helicopter. Look at, <laughs> look at the mountain. Look at this. Look at that. About two out of 25 were the crime scene. <laughs> Different ones, hopefully. So kind of embarrassed. I said, hey, I have a guy with a, a, dig- I mean, a camcorder. He goes, have you seen that? <laughs> no, I haven't. So he showed that to me, and it started out with me on a crime scene, a couple of nice close-up shots and back up, close-up, and then my, oh, my God, is that a helicopter? <laughs> helicopter, the mountains look really pretty. And he went all over with that, and then sooner or later he'd get back on me and then make things. But <laughs> tough to have a lot of pictures when they do that. Yeah, right. I guess they thought they were shooting a documentary or something. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Got to catch the, the entire scene. Yeah. Well, that was the one only time I've ever done that, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> I tried to choose my words ever so carefully yes. coming yeah. back because I'm dealing with the international crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thinking about it, and I'm at work an hour early, and I've got all that stack of pictures beside me that's no good. And I thought about it, and everybody got there, and I was in a good mood, and then I just snapped. <laughs> so I grabbed all them pictures, and I just threw them all over the offices, and I had a lot of words to say. Which we can't say right now. Uh-huh. And after that, everybody went on a crime scene said, only do what Mr. Tim say. Don't do nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I exactly. That would be kind of a funny story when yeah. I got done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, it's a good thing you had some um, confessions. Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> you didn't have the pictures. <laughs> they all gave it up. Yeah, but yeah, it, that was that happened for about the first year and a half there uh-huh. because we were they didn't understand we were westernized and we don't beat people mm-hmm. up we get yeah. evidence and go arrest people. And then it got a little harder to solve crimes. Oh, because they realized they weren't going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So are we? Uh, are we done asking questions today? I think so. Anybody else have anything else? No, this was fascinating. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. 
Oh, thank you for letting me come over here anytime. Just give me a holler. We'll come over. I got some great stories. (laughs) (laughs) We laugh about now, not at that particular time. Oh, no. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Look back at it, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, for all our our people that like crime stories and, and things, our listeners and people that read true crime or novels or whatever i think the most in, you know the most interesting thing regarding like the reality of it is just all the times that you talked about how many people are involved in these things mm-hmm. that it's it's all you know and the more people you can get you know the more eyes you can get the more experts and when it's it's not just like you out there doing it or or one or two guys it's it's a whole team and it's and everybody a collaboration of the team itself because yeah. you might come back from talking to a, a witness that that says, hey, Tim, you might want to go look over here. I was told this. I need that information. Mm-hmm. Maybe I missed it. I don't want to miss it, but maybe I did. Maybe it was hidden behind something or behind a dresser or behind something. So it helps when you go talk to those people and all of you go talk to suspects, witnesses, neighbors, whatever it might be. All that information can mean something on mm-hmm. a particular scene. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think people can have a different rapport with other with other people and so they may not be interested in saying anything to you but they feel more comfortable with somebody else and so they'll express more more details so absolutely yeah mm-hmm. i can see that yeah all right when you're out and about remember that we can all do our part keep your eyes open yep cool well if we have asked all the questions and we got a really fun story at the end too so well thank you very much sergeant tim Absolutely. I enjoy coming Lincoln. out here. Yeah. Anytime. Like I say, you guys want to stop by the lab? I'll give you a little tour, show you some of the things that we do in there. That'd be cool. Uh, that would be very cool. I've done that with quite a few high schools that came out here. We take the whole high school through there. I've gone to the high schools and done some instructing there. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. You've got to get our younger crowd into it also. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, maybe that'll be a future episode or something. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening once again to Do We Like Murder, and this has been the Long Overdue Podcast.